Let's bow for a word of prayer before we do, though. Father, would you bless this morning as we look to your word? Would you help us, Lord? Lord, these truths are so lofty, are so high. And Lord, we're such people of the earth, Lord, that it's hard for our minds to attain unto them. It's certainly hard for our hearts to just uh, lift up and embrace them. Blessed Spirit of the living God, we know that it's your work in us to illuminate and to bring us into that light. Would you do that to us today? Would you bring us into the light of this word, Lord, that it might touch our hearts and that it might enable us, Lord, uh, to enter this year and to live in the way that you'd have us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, verse 12. Um, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. The Christ that dwells in you today is his dear Son. I want you to think about that for a second. God has a deep interest in you, because his dear Son dwells in you. You know, Arklow has a soft spot. In my, I have a soft spot in my heart for Arklow. And it's not because it's a lovely town. It's not because it's a particularly nice place. Sorry, Willie. Uh, but Arklow has a soft spot in my heart because my son lives there. And if I hear something about Arklow, immediately I respond because, you know what, Oriel lives there. You know, the Ryans have probably had very little uh, interest in South Carolina uh, up to this point, And Bob Jones was the name of a college. But you know what? As of this week, they're going to have a very deep interest in South Carolina. And any time they hear uh, the word South Carolina uh, on the radio or read it, that immediately they, they'll twig because that's where their dear son is. You know what? God's dear son dwells in you. That's, that's incredible. God has a deep interest in you. You don't have to get God's attention. You, know, you don't have to cry out and scream and pray and, uh, and plead with God. You have his attention because his son dwells within you. Isn't that exciting? Christ in you. God instantly has a soft spot for you because his son dwells in you. Isn't it wonderful the way it says his dear son? Look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And speaking of Jesus, it says, who is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God, Jesus, dwells in you. That's, that, that's powerful stuff. For, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and, and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You ever look at the creation and say, wow. Creation truly is awesome. It strikes awe in our hearts. It was intended to. You know, God did it on a grand scale. He, he did it, you know, <clears throat> he did much more than, than he had to do. He could have just created a little plot for us to live on, and, but he didn't. He, listen, he was extravagant in creation. He created it uh, infinitely. Um, he, did, he did such a powerful work in creation. You know who did it? Jesus. You know where Jesus is? In you. How can we have any problems? If the creator of it all dwells within me. Now, some of you are going to drop out at this point because it's too lofty. That's too much. How could that be? But that's what it says. The reality is that the creator of it all has chosen to make his abode in you. Do you know what? Your problems aren't problems to him. <laughs> 
The difficulties you're facing this week and this year aren't difficulties for him. If he could create all of it and do it so extravagantly and so wonderfully, you know what? He has the power to deal with your problems and to lead you into the place where you can deal with them too. You know, the focus needs to not be on me and what I can achieve because I can't achieve much. It needs to not be on you and what you can achieve because you're never going to achieve much. But when you take into account the reality of the Creator God living in you, the obstacles dissolve in front of you. The problems are not problems anymore. Because Christ in you is the Creator. Look at the next verse. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He currently, today, is keeping this whole universe together. That's the kind of power he has. If it wasn't for Jesus, the whole thing would just fall apart. The whole thing would discorporate. It would just kind of it would just blow apart. But Jesus is keeping it all together. It's all kept in his hand. And he dwells in you? Wow. What a thought. Christ in you. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. All the fullness dwells in Jesus and Jesus dwells in me? Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? That is, that is something that, you know, if we let our thoughts, if we let our hearts rise to that thought, if we let the Spirit of God really lay hold upon us, you know, listen, the difficulties vanish before us because this Christ dwells in you. Now understand this, it's no accident. It's not a byproduct of salvation. It's the plan. It's what God was doing. You see, God knew you. God knew me. God knew O'Gorman wouldn't make it on his own in the Christian life. God had watched people. He'd watched Israel. He'd watched the dispensations. And God knew that we weren't going to make it on our own. So he knew he did something different. He did something marvelous. He did something wonderful. He sent his son to dwell in us. To live Christianity through us. That's what we've got. Now, now skip over here uh, <clears throat> to verse 25. For if I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given for me to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. You know, what God is doing in you is hidden from Abraham. You know, Abraham knew, listen, he knew there was a Messiah coming. He knew, you know, there, there were certain things that were kind of vague to him. He knew it was happening, but, but he didn't know. The, the angels wanted to understand how it was all going to play out and how it was all going to work out, but they didn't know. It's been hidden from the ages past. It's a mystery. It's something that God hid from all of them. Even the mystery which had been hid from the ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Do you understand that you understand more of the ways of God in certain aspects than Abraham did? Than Noah did? You understand more of the ways of God. And you know what? You have something they could only dream of. You have Christ dwelling in you. You have God in you. <clears throat> to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory 
of this mystery amongst the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, what God did in sending Christ to dwell in us is something that they wanted to understand but didn't. Something so glorious, so marvelous, so fantastic that God unveiled it. And he reveals his son in you. Now, you know we have a problem, though. Because the enemy would like to keep us unaware of that truth and that reality. And he works hard to do it. You know, listen, he works hard to keep you away from the reality of Christ in you. He works to keep you thinking it's of you. He works to keep you in the place where you're trying to make it happen for yourself. And you know what? Christianity that you're making happen by yourself is always a failing Christianity. It doesn't matter how good it is. It's always a failing Christianity because the standard is way too high. See, be perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. In order to get there, humanly, you've got to lower it somehow. You've got to say, well, sure, listen, this is the best I can do and God will have to be happy with it. But when you reckon on Christ in you, the hope of glory, all of a sudden, the standard is now attainable. The standard is reality. You don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to make it happen. You're not able. God knew you wouldn't be able. You don't have to do the Christian thing. You don't have to live the Christian life by yourself. It's not possible. It's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Him. It's not dependent upon what you bring to the table. It's dependent upon the infinite power that created the world and holds it together that dwells in you today. You know, I don't think that He has a problem with your problems. I don't think that He has a problem helping you overcome sin. I don't think that He has a problem dealing with the issues in your life. You know, I think it's easy because of who it is. This is a marvelous thing. But we're going to apply this now. For, but I want you to see one other verse before we do. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. Here the enemy deceives us into thinking we can earn heaven before we're saved. And most people out there, when you talk to them, they're, they're earning it. They're, they're, they're getting to heaven by works. And you know, the day you got saved, you had to come to the place where you realized, I can't do it. And you depended upon him, and he did it, didn't he? And it was a miracle. You know, you didn't get saved, and then you began to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make it all happen. He did something in you. Yeah, he did. He saved you, forgave your sin, and he came to dwell in you. But look what 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says. For of him are ye in Christ Jesus, of whom God is made unto us wisdom. Do you have a problem with wisdom? Do you have a problem with knowing what the best thing to do with your life is? Do you have a problem with knowing how to live your life day by day? It's easy. Christ in you is the answer. Christ in you is the answer for wisdom. You need it. He has it. Christ in you is the answer to it. Um, and righteousness. You, you, you're not making it in the holiness stakes. You're looking at your life and you're thinking, you know what, listen, I'm just hanging in there. I'm barely hanging in there as a Christian. I'm not kind of, no, no great shakes as a Christian at all. I'm just kind of barely dragging myself along. Christ in you is righteousness. He's the power to live righteously in this wicked, dark world. The enemy doesn't want you to live that. He doesn't want you to know that. But Christ in you is the power for you to be righteous. Listen, 
you may not be the wisest person around. You may not have lived a life that's the cleanest, that's the holiest, that's the, the nicest life, but you know what Christ in you makes up for all of that. Because when Jesus came in, what he did was his power just overshadows everything in your life. That's the reality. That's what the passage is telling us. Um, and sanctification. He is your sanctification. He is the one that makes you holy, not you. Now, please don't misunderstand. Don't say, well, you know what, I'm good enough. No, no. He is your sanctification. That means he makes you holy. That means if you let him do his work in you, he's going to make you holy. Because God can't relate to us unless we're holy, but it's not something I can do. It's something he does in me. He makes me holy. <clears throat> and redemption, he is our redemption. He bought us back. Um, as, uh, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, now understand this. God can do it all in your life. God can change everything. God can work all of it out. But you know what? When he does, there's no glory for you. The glory is all him because he did it. You know the problem? One of the problems, at least for us, with our Christianity is we want to have a part in it. We, we want to do something. We want to add something to it. You know, we want to stand with the chest stuck out saying, you know, hey, you know what? I used to be a bad guy, but I got saved and look at me now. Don't look at you because you're no better than you used to be. It's just Christ in you that's changed you. The glory is all his. And, you know, in all honesty, for you to stop living for the glory, you've got to die. <clears throat> you've got to die to self and let it be him, him that is working in you. But Christ in you is the hope of glory. Not you, not your abilities, not your talents, not your looks, not your wealth, not your background, nothing of you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You know, we have some people in this room that were raised in a Christian home. You know, and have, so to speak, the, uh, the Christian silver spoon in their mouth since they, were, since they were born. That's not what counts. What counts is Christ in you. We've got some people here who've been dragged into the kingdom uh, from the gutter. That's not what counts. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've got some people in this room who are very bright. That's not what counts. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. We've got some people here who, who you know, who, who, who are a little short as far as, you know, uh, wisdom and so on is concerned. That's okay. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, this dominates Christianity. It's Christ in you. That's the mystery. That's the glory. That's the bedrock of it all. It's Christ in me. I can't do it. But he can. And he sent his son to dwell in me to do it. And nothing I'm facing in this coming year is a problem to his son. Nothing. His, his son has never faced a problem. N none of us. Pro listen, when you've got infinite power, what, what can be a problem for you? And he dwells in you. All right, now let's apply it. <clears throat> I want to try and knit our two themes together here. Our theme from last year, uh, the good hand of God and Christ in you. Let me put it this way. The good hand of God is upon me when it's Christ in me that's leading. The good hand of God is upon me when Christ in me is leading. See, has there ever been a moment apart from when he took our sin upon his shoulders when the good hand of God was not upon the Son? Obviously not. I mean, the good hand of God has always been upon the Son. 
You see, Jesus came to do the Father's will, and he did the Father's will flawlessly. I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. He did the Father's will perfectly, flawlessly. Uh, he, he never, And he always had uh, the good hand of the Father upon him. You know, he was God, fully God, and he could do it in his own power, but he didn't. He always did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. He did it in the power of the Father. He always gave thanks to the Father for the miracles. But he could depend, when he opened his mouth and said, Father, will you bless this, that the few loaves were going to feed 5,000. He could depend upon it, because the good hand of God was upon him. And he could depend, when he, when he spoke to the waves, that the waves would go flat, because the good hand of the Father was upon him. You see, Jesus lived his life in the Father's will, according to the reality of God. And you can too. You say, Pastor, you just lost me. Because you know what? I go out of this place and you know, I get fired up on a Sunday morning and I listen to the words and I, I think, you know what, that's great, that's wonderful, that's exciting. But I go out of here and you know what happens? I, I face life. And, and, and the reality of life just hits me full on uh, <clears throat> between the eyes and I can't be this kind of person you want, want me to be. I, I'm not able uh, to do it. I'm not able to do the things you're, you're asking me to do. I know you're not. God knows you're not. He didn't expect you to do it. He sent His Son to do it through you. And if you let Him do it, He will do it. You see, when Christ is leading in your life, it always succeeds. Because Christ always succeeds. Always. You say, hang on a minute, hang on. what about the cross? Listen, the cross is the greatest success masked in defeat that anyone's ever seen. I mean, it's a glory even in that much. It was absolute success cloaked in failure. And it was exactly what God planned to happen. It was exactly what needed to happen. It was the greatest demonstration of love. And the resurrection was the greatest demonstration of power that the world has ever seen. Listen, Jesus never fails. That's what the song says, and it's true. Jesus never fails. You see, when Christ is in it, it never fails. <clears throat> now, there may be delay, there may be opposition, there may be trials. But what Christ directs is sure of success. Listen, does that stand to reason? Whatever Christ directs is sure of success. Now, I see two principles here. First, I want the good hand of God upon me. Therefore, I want to find and follow the leadership of Christ in me. I don't want Christ in me to be a theological truth. I want it to be a reality of life. That Christ in me, the hope of glory, is my life. I want it to be that Christ in me is what I'm following, that his leadership is what I'm seeking and following, because I know that if I have that, then I have the good hand of God upon me. That makes sense? You following me? That, you know, that, that's very simple, very straightforward. Secondly, I don't want to waste time doing things that God is not in. Do you know we can waste time? Any time that's not spent doing his will is wasted time. Isn't that true? Without me, you can do nothing. But man, we can do a whole lot of nothing, can't we? We can spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of energy doing nothing. And that's what it ends up as being nothing. But when Christ is in it, it's never nothing. When Christ is in it, <clears throat> things happen. You, you ever see children running back and forth? You know, <clears throat> you, you, you watch them. They're not supposed to run in the church, parents, right? Help, help them, help me, right? They're not supposed to run in the church. But kids run back and forth. Now, why do they run back and forth? They don't know. 
They just run back and forth because they have to run, because they have to move, because they have to keep going. They're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. The rest of us look at them and we get exhausted watching them. All this energy they have just to be expended on nothing. Now, listen, it's part of being a kid. I'm sure it has some, some part of development and developing the muscles and all the rest of them. If they were sitting like couch potatoes, it'd be worse. But, you know, listen, that's what they do. They run back and forth. Yeah, and listen, when you were a kid, you did it too. But you know what? Then you got older. And you began to measure the energy, didn't you? And you don't waste energy now. Then, you know, you, listen, you only, you only run if there's a real need to run. <laughs> you know, unless you're in the men's home and you go play football on a Monday and, and break legs and ankles and bones of all kinds. But, but apart from that, listen, we only run when we need to run. We measure our energy. We get sensible. We don't waste energy. We don't expend it for nothing. What we do is we use it carefully. Do you know that anything you do, apart from Christ, is wasted energy? That's really what it is. Anything I do apart from Christ is, is wasted energy. You say, Pastor, that gets so complicated. I mean, do I have to have God's leading in every moment and every way? No, it's not like that. The Spirit of God in you, when you're in line with Him and walking with Him, listen, He's guiding you as you go. It's not like something, you know, where you're asking for a letter every moment. It's reality. He's guiding you, but all of it's of Him. All of it's of Him. And that's the place where He wants you to be. The, 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 the difficulties in our lives are causing those moments when we're going our own way. Isn't that true? That's your difficulty, that's my difficulty when I'm going my own way, and that's wasted time. You know, when the torch is put to what we've done in this life, you know what's going to get burned up? Everything I did apart from Him. Now listen, it may have been good <clears throat> on the outside, because you can do good things that are not of God and they're a waste of time. Do you know that? And, and sometimes what we do is we solve our consciences and we say, well, I'm doing good things. But if God's not in it, it's got no value. You see, it's Christ in you. You see, the direction, the motivation of your life needs to be Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It needs to be what he wants, what he's planning, his desires, not yours. It needs to be what God wants from your life, not what you want. You see, the Bible says, lean up onto your own understanding. Don't go your way and do, your, do it your way. You see, here's what happens to us. You know, we come to Christ, and somehow, somewhere along the line, we get deceived into thinking, we're going to help him out. You know, God needs help. You know, he needs someone to do it work for him. Or, you know, nobody else is doing it. So, so we're going to help him out. And we apply our wisdom to helping him achieve his ends. And you know what? It's not of him, and it's nothing. It's not of him, and it's nothing. It's that communion with him when you're following him and doing what he would have you to do. That's what counts, and that only. Now, let me say this to you. Whatever he leads in, he empowers. Whatever he leads in, he's going to give you grace for. He's going to enable you to do. <clears throat> Don't waste your time. Don't be like the children just running back and forth. You haven't got the energy. When it comes to your Christianity, you know, <clears throat> listen, we're on a short timeline. It really is a short timeline. You know, it runs in so rapidly. I'm 20 years here this year. And, you know, and, and I look back and I think, 20 years? 20 years? That, that, that seems like such an incredibly long time. And yet, it's flown like that. And you know what? 
We've got a very short time. David said, teach me to number my days. You know, I suppose when you get to my point in life, you begin to number your days and think, you know what, listen, there's, there's only so much time. When you're young, you think it's forever. You know, you just do. But you know, as you get older, you begin to realize, you know, there's, there's only so many days. Lord, I don't want to waste any of them. I don't want to waste one of them. I, I, I don't want to spend a day doing something that you're not in. I want every day to be walking with you so that I can know what it is to have you working through me. That's the, that's the life I want to live. I want a life that is truly Christ in me. I don't want it to be a theological truth. I don't want it to be something I stumble uh, against from time to time. I want it to be a life that is truly Christ in me. Now, <clears throat> if God's not in it, then we don't want to be in it either. Personally, I don't want to be doing it. God's not in it. You know, as a church, you know, as a church, there's a whole lot of things. Listen, we look at a year, we do a whole lot of things. We've got a whole lot of things on the calendar for this next year that we're going to do. You know, all these things that are going to fall out and we're going to do. You know, we have to be careful. It needs to be Christ, not us. We need not to do stuff because it's on the calendar. We need not to do stuff just because it's expected. It needs to be Christ. In us, that's leading and guiding. You pray for me, because that, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a responsibility and a burden. But it needs to be Christ in us. We need to be ministering, doing what he would have us to do, because that's the only stuff that's effective. You know, God won't watch every year in review and say, man, ain't they marvelous. All they he, he's not going to do that. He's going to put the torch to it, and you know what? What's left is going to be what was of him. Not what we did. What's left is going to be what's of him. <clears throat> so, we need to be careful as a church that we're not doing stuff that God's not in. You know, I, I think we need to pray. I think we need to spend a lot of time in prayer in 2012. But you know, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time in 2012 praying for God to do things. I think we need to spend a lot of time discerning His will for us as a church. What would He have us to do? In other words, what is He doing that we can get involved in? I really think that's that's what much of our prayer needs to be. Not Lord, give us this and do this. You know, I've spent so many so so much time in my life asking God to do certain things and to be involved in certain things. And as I look back, what I was doing is I was asking God to get on board with my plan. And he doesn't. You know why? Because he's got a plan of his own. And oftentimes your plan and my plan are going in one direction and his plan's in another direction. And, and we're so full of what we want that we, we convince ourselves, listen, we want to do it, therefore he must be in it. Sometimes it's a good thing that we want to do, and we convince ourselves, listen, this good thing, he must be in it, he must want it, and he's not in it. Let me give you a rule that you can apply. Ultimately, if Christ is in it, there will be success. You say, hey, that's, that, 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 that's a bit simplistic. Ultimately, if Christ is in it, there will be success. It doesn't mean there won't be delay. It doesn't mean there won't be opposition. It doesn't mean there won't be difficulties, because often when God is in it, all those things are present. But when Christ is in it, ultimately it succeeds. Because Christ never fails. And listen, if you've been doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it, and you're not seeing success, is Christ really in it? 
Is it something you're supposed to be doing? See what happens sometimes? Sometimes we take that as a challenge and we put more effort into making it work. And you know what? We're actually going against them. Not for them and not with them. You see, there can be opposition, there can be difficulty, there can be problems when Christ is in it. But you know what? There's a blessing in it somewhere and there's, there's success. His good hand is upon it. You know, I think it would be very good for us as we enter this new year to evaluate ourselves and evaluate our ministries. To, to look at ourselves and say, you know what? <clears throat> am I where God wants me to be? Well, I'm kind of stuck where I am. No, no, listen, you're not stuck where you are. If God wants you to be somewhere else, he can enable you to be somewhere else. You know, I was 26 years old with a wife and three children when God called me into the ministry and I went to America. It was ridiculous. But God was in it. It worked. When God's in it, it always works. When God's in it, it always works. If God wants you to make a change, then listen, <clears throat> you need to make a change. Are you living like Christ is in you? Is there success? Now, listen, I am not asking you, you know, listen, is everything you do perfect, wonderful, fabulous, and all the rest? I'm asking you, broadly speaking, can you look at your life and see, yeah, well, listen, there's success. Yeah, there's success there, and there's success there, and there's success there. You know, those things that Christ is in, there will be success in. There will be success, because Christ never fails. There will be success. You can look at your life and see, oh, this is not a success, and this is not a success, and this is not a success. Listen, Christ is not in it for some reason. You know, it may be because he can't be in it because there's something wrong in your life, or it may be just because, listen, that's not what he's doing, and he's not going to bless it in you because he doesn't want you there. You've got to keep that possibility in your mind. Listen, we can be dogged and determined and dig our heels in and make something happen and he's not in it. And we're just forever making it happen. We're forever working. I can think of some things. I look back over the years in ministry, you know, that I was making happen, that we were making happen and they didn't happen. Because they never do when Christ's not in it. And you know what? It's wisdom when you realize Christ's not in it to backtrack and say, hang on a minute, he's not in it, let's get out of it. You know, that's not a call for you to waste more time doing it. When you realize Christ's not in it, get out of it. Because you want to spend your time wisely. You want you to spend your time involved in things that Christ is in. Let me ask you, is your life successful? Is your life going somewhere? Now listen, I don't mean the world looking on at you and saying, oh man, you've really got it together. I mean, is your life going somewhere? Can you look back over your life and say, you know what, this counts. This counts. This is important. What I'm doing here counts. Listen, you're a child of God. It doesn't matter whether it's large or whether it's small, what you're doing should count. You know, you're, you're not just an average one-of-the-mill person that has got nothing going for them. You're a child of eternity. You're on your way somewhere. You have a destiny, if you want to put it that way. And your life ought to count. He didn't leave you here to thread water and to just hang in there. He left you here to make an impact. Now, everybody's not going to make the same impact. Everybody's not going to make the same you know, uh, contribution. But your life ought to have an impact. And if it's not, you say, Lord, what's happening here? I'm, I'm your child. You left me here for a purpose. 
What's missing? What do I need to change? What do I need to do? <clears throat> you know, and you need to make some changes. Like we, we talked earlier in Sunday school about the idea of the car won't start. When the car, car doesn't start, you don't just kind of, you know, park it there and leave it there and say, well, that's just the way it's going to be. If the car won't start, you get the mechanic to look at it. You do what you can. If the mechanic says to you, listen, this car's going nowhere. It's for the scrapyard. Then it goes to the scrapyard. You, you, know, you try and find another car. But, you know, you don't just accept that's the way cars are. They don't, they don't start. Listen, if your life is not going anywhere, cry out to God and ask him, what do you want me to do? Because I guarantee you, if Christ is in it, it succeeds. If Christ is in it, it works. The problem for us, very often, he's not in it. We're just doing it. it it's incredible to me how much we can spend our time, our effort, and our energy in good things that Christ is not in. That he's just not in. Listen, we need to evaluate. This, this turn of the year, you need to take time to look at your life and to say to yourself, now hang on a minute, is God in this? You know, take, take your ministry. Is, is Christ in this? You know, take your home life. Is Christ in this? Take your work life. Is Christ in this? You know, look at it and say, listen, if Christ's not in it, I don't want to be in it either. By the way, that doesn't mean you can walk out in your husband or your wife, all right? <clears throat> have to put in that <laughs> proviso there. Uh, you know, but is Christ in it? And if he's not, then get out of it. Do something that Christ is in. Get involved in what Christ is doing. You know, let me say this to you, and I say this to you, somebody that's 53 and uh, moving on in the years, right? I'm not old, though. So, uh, <laughs> um, by the way, I did, I did, did, a, did, did this um, questionnaire on my iPhone. I know Matthew doesn't like iPhones, but I find them really great, all right? <laughs> but I did this questionnaire on my iPhone and told me I'm going to live to be 89. Right now, now iPhones don't know nothing, okay? Uh, and I might live to be 89, or I might live to be 65. I don't know not what age I'm going to live to, right? But I'm going to plan on living to be at least 89. And here's the reason why. Right? I want to end life running. I don't want to end life easing off and slacking off and just letting life roll over me. You know, um, the only sport I was ever involved in with any amount of success was running as a kid. And you know what they taught us? They taught us you never aim for the finish line. Because if you aim for the finish line, without you having to do anything, you slow down as you get close to the finish line. You aim for a point beyond the finish line so that you're running at top speed when you hit the finish line. You listen, there's a danger that as we get older that we begin to think, well, we're coasting into the end now. No, we're not coasting anywhere. You know, listen... <clears throat> Uh, things change in your body physically and so on, but you know what? As you go on in the years, there's a wisdom that comes that you can take and you can apply. And you know what? In some areas, the older you get and the wiser you get, the more you got to give. So we need to be careful that we don't just slack off. You know, God's got a plan for you. God's got to work for your life. God's got, God's got to work, listen, until the day he calls you home. God's got to work for you. Do you understand that? Until the day he calls you, God does not plan for retirement. Find it in the Bible. He does not plan for retirement. God plans for you to serve him. You may not be able to serve him in the capacity that you're doing now, uh, all your life, but you know what? God plans for you to spend your whole life serving him. <clears throat> so, so don't slack off. Reckon on, listen, Christ in you has a work to accomplish, and he wants to accomplish it, and if you let him, if you'll get in tune with him, if you'll get in line with what he is doing, 
You're going to come to this time next year and you're going to look back over your life and you're going to say, whoa, the hand of God was upon me. The good hand of God was upon me. But listen, evaluate. You know, if, you're in, if you get involved in the corporate world and, um, you know, you come to year end or, or a certain point in the year, they evaluate you. Oftentimes what they'll do is they'll tell you to evaluate yourself and bring it to them. Right? So you've got to sit down, you've got to evaluate your life and see where you are as far as your work is concerned. And then somebody goes through it with you uh, and, 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 and asks you the hard questions and, and makes you look at some things. You know, it would be good for you to go through an evaluation of your life with God. Where do you stand? 2012 uh, is going to be an exciting year. <clears throat> God is going to bless everything in you that springs from Christ in you. Everything in you that springs from Christ in you is going to know blessing. Is going to know the good hand uh, of God. You know, find and do all, <clears throat> all of it. And this time next year, you'll be looking back on the good hand of God upon you. Amen. Find and do all that God has. Now, now, please don't get hung up on the, on the things, the goals, the ambitions that you want to see achieved in 2012. Sit down and look at your life. Lay it out before God. And say, now, Lord, where do you want me putting my time? What do you want me doing? There may be some things where you're going to have to withdraw from, even good things. That you're going to have to, this is, this is not where God wants me spending my time. You may have to make some changes in your life. You might have to make a career change. You might have to do something you never dreamed of doing. But Christ in you will lead that way. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find success. But above all else, let it be not I but Christ. Let it be Him. Get yourself in that place where you're yielded to him. Let him have his way. And you are bound to have success. You are bound to know victory. You are bound to know the sweet taste of the good hand of God upon your life. That's powerful prayer.